Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that it's encouraging and helpful to you no matter where you are on your journey of faith. We at Hope Church want everyone to have a chance to experience the rich love of Jesus. We are inclusive and affirming towards everyone. And if you're looking for a place to experience a caring Christian community, we would love to have you to visit. You can go to hopechurchrc.org to connect with us. Thanks again for listening. Our Advent reading in this second week is uh, from Psalm 85, verses 8 and 9. It says, uh, I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to His people, His faithful ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear Him, so that glory may dwell in our land. As we uh, continue on in our Advent journey, uh, this uh, kind of anticipation toward Christmas, last week we talked about um, hope and how the world still today, and, and especially back in biblical times and the times between kind of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the people were in great need of hope. And, and we have this, this great need that we can't fulfill on our own, this kind of restlessness within us. And last week we asked the question, where is God? Where is God whenever we need Him? Where is God whenever we need a touch from the divine? Sometimes it feels like God is distant. But we also talked about how God is never really distant. Oftentimes we kind of isolate ourselves. Or even when God seems distant, God is still very near. And so this week as we look at uh, the theme of peace for Advent, this great peace that we have a need of, that we hope for, I want to kind of turn the question inwards toward ourselves. Where are you? Where am I during this Advent season? Coming up in about two weeks on December 21st, I will have personally been a believer in Jesus for about 36 years. It's not a big deal because there were many, many times, many, many of those years were not very fervent, were not very serious. Um, and, but I've never done anything else longer than be a believer in Jesus except for maybe breathe. Uh, at seven in my bedroom by myself, after hearing the gospel presented to me in Sunday school uh, by Miss Rhonda Medford, who I still I got the chance to see yesterday. I got to hug her neck, and it's always just precious to see her. Um, but I prayed a simple prayer and began this roller coaster life, pursuing Jesus, and it has been far from picture perfect. Um, I've had way more bad days than good where I've not done what I should have done or what I should do because God is good, but I still am working on it. Any issues in, in this relationship between God and I have been fully on me, but thankfully God is always faithful. He's consistent, never changing. And we're in Mark 1 this week uh, for Advent. It's led me the passage has led me to reflect on some hard times in my faith journey. Now, I'm not going to outline all of them. We don't have that much time today. But a few come to mind that are relevant. Like, I pretty much walked away during my college years. Some say, well, that's not surprising. You know, that happens. Yeah, 
but I had promised myself that I wouldn't. So it's kind of, you know, I take it kind of a little more personally than, than some may. And, and that's, that's great. Uh, you know, that's not that that's great. Everybody's experience is different. It wasn't a one-time decision. Like I'm done. It was just kind of a, 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 a just a gradual decline, right? I had every intention of remaining faithful and growing in my faith. But over time, I found myself distant, just kind of blah about the whole thing, right? I only attended church when I was back home. Um, and even then, I, internally, I was bristling up. I was putting up walls against the words that I was hearing. I tried to keep up a good appearance on the outside, but on the inside, things were not going well. Because I had questions. Going to a large university led me to meet some people that did not share my faith, some of which were hostile toward my faith. And they asked questions that I couldn't answer. I had not been prepared for much of that. And that's nobody's fault. It's just the way that it was. And I didn't have any answers for these questions, and I was kind of searching. Nobody seemed to have great answers for me. But thankfully, after graduation from college and marriage, I got plugged into a church more consistently. And although I still had some questions, I was in a much better place to try to find answers. And then another time in my life, we were struggling with some health issues. Nothing serious or life-threatening, but very, very frustrating. I say we, although it didn't directly affect me, but it affected my best friend. And so by extension, it affected me. And, and I've mentioned this a few times. I remember crying out to God, and there wasn't an answer. There didn't seem to be an answer for what we were going through. God was silent, or at least we thought so. But in the end, after a time of waiting and wrestling and wandering in the wilderness, the light started to get brighter, and after a while, it was day again, and God was there all along. And there have been many other times in my own life, mostly somewhat smaller, where I've been distant from God. I have struggled to wait on answers for various prayers that I've prayed. Even now, I've been praying for us, for this church, for some things to happen, and the answers seem distant. God seems distant at times. And it's hard. And you've probably gone through something similar. All of us in the Christian life, go through times of waiting where we are desperate for an answer. We have questions, big questions, and they weigh on our hearts and our minds. And we can't fix it. And the only one that can seems silent. And I know you because I know me. And I know me has gone through this. And so you probably have or will too. And when we're during, in these times, we may feel like some kind of, we're in some kind of spiritual drought or, or some kind of barren wilderness. We're hungry. We're thirsty for God's presence in our, in our life or in the life of someone that we love. And it's hard to wait. It's hard to grieve. We long for an answer, but it seems like all we get is silence. We wonder if God has turned away. We doubt. And that's really difficult. Like, really, really, really difficult. 
And, and it honestly doesn't make for a great sermon topic on the, on the second week of Advent when we're talking about peace because there is no peace in the wilderness. There is no peace in these moments where we feel that God is missing or distant for whatever reason. It's chaos. You feel mentally unstable, worrying whether God is with you or not. You can't sleep. It consumes you. But the thought I want to lead us toward today is that the wilderness is a necessary step towards peace. Because it's only in the wilderness that other things are stripped away. And sometimes all we have is God. Even though God seems distant. It's then that we can really begin to focus on our faith and what God is calling us to do. Jesus spent time in the wilderness. The Israelites spent time there. We should expect to find ourselves there too from time to time. And when we do, we can look around at some point and we will definitely find God there with us. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make His paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to Him and they were baptized by Him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather, with a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God, thank you so much for your word. Help us to um, absorb what you have to say to us today. Help me to speak it as imperfectly as it will be. Thank you for everything. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Gospel of Mark is considered to be the earliest of the four accounts, the four Gospels that talk about Jesus. And this is determined by a lot of factors, uh, but one of the biggest is that Matthew and Luke seem to use large parts of the book of Mark. And then they add on to it. They in, not, I won't say embellish because embellish sounds like a lie, but they add, they flesh it out, if you will. It's kind of a, a it seems like a copy-paste sort of thing. And plus, the surviving manuscripts that are available of Mark are all physically older than the others. Now, I'm not a scholar, so there's a kind of generalization. People have written books upon books and, and, and taught whole classes on this sort of stuff. So I know I'm not representing all of this perfectly, but that's just kind of a real 30,000-foot view, right? Mark can be described as kind of a rough-and-ready gospel. He's blunt, gets to the point. The first chapter, uh, there's no birth narrative, there's no shepherds, no magi, no baby Jesus. It's just wilderness. But from this wilderness, real peace comes about. This is where it starts to form in Mark. And we asked the question last week, like we mentioned earlier, where is God? 
And in that question, my hope is that we saw our great need for God as well as God's great presence for our need. Because that's the truth. We have a great need for God's love, His compassion, mercy to flow into and spill out of our lives and in the lives of those around us. And this week, I want to turn the focus inward to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are you? Where am I in relation to this great God for our great need? And we talked about how we're going to go through moments of, that are good and times that are bad. Uh, oftentimes in the church, or at least in the churches I've grown up in, maybe some of the ones you've been in, we've talked about them as mountains and valleys. Right? Mountains are great. We have mountaintop experiences. And then it's often in the valleys that things are bad. Right? We go through good and bad times in our lives. Like the old song that many of us may know, God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. Although it's not as easy as singing the lines, sometimes it's he'll make them right. You may don't, don't although you may not know when, and it's hard to wait, and it's not so easy as singing a song. But it's but it's always true, I believe, that God is never distant. So when we are in the wilderness and we can count on being there, we can take at least a little bit of comfort in knowing that we are in good company with Jesus and John the Baptist and, of course, God. But that's an idealized view of the wilderness, isn't it? When we're looking back, we can often see more clearly how God was present and God was moving and God was working out things even though we didn't see it at the time. But how do we reconcile it in the moment? That's great to be able to look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But in the moment, while we are waiting, while we are in desperate need, while we are struggling and wrestling, how do we reconcile this absence or this thing that feels like absence? Well, John went ahead of Jesus proclaiming His coming. He called for repentance among His people. His call was to clear the path for the Messiah, to make the way straight. And John is depicted as wild, maybe even a little feral, which I kind of identify with sometimes. He wore clothes that were, that were made from camel hair. Maybe he like killed the camel himself. I don't know. Maybe I, don't, I picture, you might remember Star Wars. Um, what, what was the, was he on Hoth or whatever the planet was where it was cold and his whatever thing he was riding had died and he like cut open, cut it open with his lightsaber and crawled inside of it so he wouldn't freeze. Anybody else remember that? No? Okay, cool. I saw at least a couple shaking hands. Thank you. That's like, I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, that's gross. I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel good. But, and so anyway, that reminded me. He was wearing clothes sewn from camel hair, subsisting on what he could find, grasshoppers and honey. And I'm not a culinary expert, culinary, but uh, I've eaten some crickets. Uh, we bought some at the beach a couple years ago. Not, not, not a lot there. It's just a lot of crunch and, uh, yeah, not a lot of nutrition. Kind of get the, the little legs kind of got stuck in your teeth and you just, you know, it's not, not cool. Do you buy them for your class? That, everybody should experience it, I think, at least one time. Because there are people that do that. I mean, there, there are tribes and, and people around the world that, I mean, they subsist on, on insects or a large part of their diet. But John found a way to make it work in the wilderness. And sometimes the call of God is stronger than our personal comfort. 
Jesus said that he didn't have a place to lay his head, and yet he continued with his purpose, and thankfully so. I remember, <laughs> yeah, this just came to me. It's another one of those kind of core memories, um, although it was, I was an adult when it happened. Uh, church I was serving at a couple churches ago, uh, it was the, the church that we attended right after we got married. Um, I had, in, had invited, the pastor had invited this guy, he was from Canada, okay, to come, and, and Mary's already like kind of cringing. Uh, not, not the guy was great. You'll, hopefully you'll understand by the time I finish. Um, he, he drove around the United States in a little Geo Metro. You remember those things? Like the little hatchback in a little Geo Metro. And this guy was like 6'5", six, 6'6". He had to have been sitting in the back seat. Uh, he, he drove around the United States in this little Geo Metro with his guitar and a little PA system, singing songs that he had written. And he was a wonderful singer. The songs were great. And, and while he was singing, it was, it was good. I liked it. But as soon as the music stopped, he became so uncomfortable. And by extension, the rest of us became very uncomfortable Again, the music was wonderful. I had, I had a couple of his CDs. He was really, really good. And he even said, you could tell he was so nervous without the music. He was so nervous just speaking. And that was a great lesson for me that that guy was willing to do what made him so anxious because he felt that God had called him to do it. He hated it. He really d- disliked the, the in-person kind of component of it. But he did it because he felt God's calling on his life. He was in the wilderness in those moments. But the wilderness has a way of preparing us for peace. Because there we have to arrange our priorities. And sometimes that's a gift. Because it's hard to do without being forced to do it. Like, it's one of those things like we know we have to do. Like, companies coming over, and we know our house is kind of messy, it's kind of a wreck. We have to, we, we really need to clean it. But until that, we know that company's coming, and we have to, it kind of forces us to. Sometimes the wilderness forces us into things that we should do that we haven't really wanted to do. Suddenly, some things that seemed very important aren't important anymore in the wilderness. Maybe we're struggling with choices about what we should do and, and we want to be able to see more clearly. Like before we started Hope Church, I spent a few years kind of in a wilderness um, because I felt a great call from God to do this. I couldn't explain it. It just, it just happened. I resisted it for a while, for quite a while. Um, I still kind of resist it sometimes, um, just to be honest. Uh, I had, but I, but it consumed me. I started researching and reading about starting a church and what does that entail and how do you do it well? And some of you were praying with us during that time, praying with me. I regularly fasted one day a week for a while in order to figure out how this was all going to happen, how it was all going to come together. Why, when there are 250 other churches in, in our county alone, why does God want me to do this? It seems irrelevant and as I was trying to figure out the nuts and the bolts the details of 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 this church how it was going to be God was silent felt that way 
because God had placed this desire in my heart and my brain was going full speed learning all that I could. I was consumed about it. There were times Mary would say, can we talk about anything else? Maybe not directly. I felt like she, I felt like I was bothering her. But spiritually, I was in the wilderness. I had no idea what or how we were going to start, where we were going to meet, who was going to be there. I became desperate for God to speak, to show me some of the details. And I had envisioned this glorious, you know, thing. I don't even know necessarily what to call it. And during that time in the wilderness, God stripped away so much of that and reminded me that something I already knew, church isn't about the production. It doesn't matter that there are things, decorations up now that have kind of, I won't say interrupted, but have changed our normal setup. That doesn't matter. The church is you. The church is me. It's all of us together. It's not even about me having any kind of title. If at any point any one of you, and I'm, this is not a challenge, I mean this with a wholehearted, ten toes in the dirt, I mean every bit of this. If at any one point any of you says, Steve, I have a great vision for this church, I will step aside. I mean, I mean that for real because I believe in you and your ability to, to, to harness God inside of you and, and to, to lead where God is calling you as much as I believe he's called me to do it. Right? He stripped away a lot of that ideas about hierarchy and power and who has control. I don't want the control. I do it. I do a lot of this because I feel called to do it. And, and, and I, want, I want to do it for you. But God stripped away a lot of those expectations, a lot of those presuppositions about what church is while I was waiting. And there's nothing wrong with, with production and you know great music and, and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, churches that have that are, I know some wonderful churches that have a lot of that stuff. But I didn't realize that at the time, God was calling us to be somewhat different. We still have you know some of the church governance sort of stuff and an informal committee that meets every Sunday after service to just say, hey, how was your week? You, know, you got any ideas or anything that's going on? Um, but, you know, we're not nearly as formalized as places I have been. God was preparing me for what our church would become. Looking back to five years ago, when all this kind of started in 2018, we looked very little like I had imagined we would. And I'm glad for that. I'm thankful. Because my time in that wilderness, my, the, the anxiety, the worry, prepared me for this time of peace. When we were meeting regularly, we were fellowshipping, supporting one another. And so your time, our time spent in the wilderness wandering about, trying to decipher God's will is good. It's beneficial. It has the ability to bring us to a place where we can receive peace, where we can receive the peace of God. Our expectations are stripped away. We make room for God to move and work to do what only God could do. And you may be sitting here and you may say, okay, well, yeah, I've been in wilderness. I've, I'm a believer. But I, or, or you may be sitting here and saying, I don't understand this peace in general. I've never experienced the peace of God. Maybe you feel anxious anytime that you think about church or anything to do with religion in general. It wasn't meant to be that way. 
Maybe you no, know, our sin places a barrier between us and God. It gets in the way of the relationship that we were intended to have. And it's only through repentance of sin and our placement of our faith in Jesus that we can find real peace. You don't have to have it all theologically figured out, whether or not you're a Calvinist or Arminian or Moanist or somewhere in between. And if you don't even know what those words are, that's wonderful. I love that for you because I spent way too much time worrying about that sort of stuff in my, in my life. You don't even have to agree with every religious practice that churches take part in. We just have to recognize our need for God, place our faith in Christ, repent of our sins, and seek to live our lives according to what, his teach, what Jesus had taught. And then if we've received this peace, we have the privilege to tell others. There are people that you and I know that are wandering in the wilderness right now. It's our job to reach out to them, to try to be some representation of the peace of God in their lives as much as we can. When we help the hungry and the thirsty, when we visit those who are sick and in prison, we seek to give hope in those desperate situations. We are spreading the peace that God has made available to us at Christmas. We become, in a way, like John the Baptist preparing the way of the kingdom in our lives than the lives of those around us, when we speak up for the less fortunate, the marginalized, the powerless, when we love people, period, no buts, we really love them for who they are, regardless of their sexuality, gender, political leanings, race, or any other attribute that some might use to separate us. We help prepare the way for peace. God is calling us to join Him in preparing the way for Jesus this Christmas. Although He has already been here once, we believe He will return again and that all will be made right. Everyone will know the love of God. And as we look forward to that day, may we find the peace of God this day. I want to close briefly with this quote from Debbie Thomas, who I am, as always, indebted to for helping me to order my thoughts on these passages. Uh, I hope that you have peace this season. And if you find yourself in the wilderness in some way, I hope that you can persevere until you do find it. And if any of us can be a help for that, uh, please let us know. Reach out to us. I'm going to close with this quote, and then we'll pray and uh, sing our final song. Debbie says, Our Advent texts this week assume that we are a people in exile, a people wandering in the wilderness. Is this true? Where are you located during this holy season? How close are you to power and how open are you to risking the wilderness to hear a word from God? What might repentance look like for you here and now? Where is God leveling the ground you stand on? And what will it take for you to participate in that uncomfortable but essential work? Comfort awaits us in the desert. God promises come to us in the wilderness. May we believe this. May we wander and be found. Like the prophets who came before us, may we become brave voices in hard places, preparing the way of our God. Thank you so much for your word, for your great love and your great mercy. Help us to internalize what we've heard today, what you've spoken directly to us, not through what I've said, but through what you have said. And then help us to internalize that 
and live it out into the lives of those around us. I pray that you would be our peace this season. And for those that don't have peace, you would help us to be a representative of your peace toward them. I pray that your peace, which your word says surpasses all understanding, will be made present in our lives this week. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.